Hello, everybody. This is One More Road for the Beer, the beer, food, and travel podcast where we talk about the best beer cities in Europe. Usually, this episode is going to be a bit of a wild card. I'm Zachary Johnston. I'm Joe Stang. And Joe, where are we going today? Where are we going? <laughs> what the fun part about this show is we don't even know where we're going yet. Kind of an experiment, but I think it'll be fun because we both travel quite a bit for assignments or work of also family vacations and things. And we find when we get together for a beer, sometimes we can talk for a long time, like figuring out where we've each been recently. So yes. that's kind of what we're going to do today. We won't, again, like usual, we'll won't be able to get to it all but right well this is yeah we're going to kind of freestyle because you know, joe you just literally got back from belgium what two days ago yeah and days uh, ago. i was just in uh lancashire north of england twice i got back from costa rica a couple months ago and so i feel like there's a lot for us to chat about and there's other little places we've been on the side as well so um what were you doing in belgium joe research <laughs> i was working uh, working in my quote way. unquote. Yeah, it was um, actually I, I did have a couple of magazine assignments. So um, in the meantime, always trying to learn new things for the Good Beer Guide Belgium, which I am co-author, author on the next edition. So trying to learn what I can learn, but, you know, have a good time in the process. So what is your sort of process? So you're there for what, three days? This time it was five days. Five days. So do you sort of make yourself a list of places you need to go to do research on? Or do you kind of wander around, meet friends and kind of let the wind take you where you go? Yeah, I have to keep a list of ideas. Okay. Kind of like a priority list. And, and uh, when I hear about something like a cool new brewery or, or an interesting bar opening up somewhere or, or, or some old place that I'd forgotten about and never actually been to, um, then I put this on the list, just the ideas for things to do, you know. Um, right. Like one thing I didn't get to this last time that's been on my list while is there, there's a folk sports museum. Like mm-hmm. I want to see that. I want to take pictures of people playing folk sports, right. which actually I ended up finding some anyway on this trip. Uh, and, and that's the kind of thing that seems to happen uh, when I go there. <laughs> Little things that I don't plan for uh, happen. And in this case, with the folk sports thing, that was a great day out. Uh, I took the train out to Poparinga with my friend Stefan. And we uh, rented bicycles. And this is a thing that I've written about that you can do in the guide. My co-author, Tim Webb, has a lot more experience doing this. I have never actually done it. I never actually, uh, I was Belgium and I never ridden a, like, rented a bike and ran around Belgium and that's criminal. So I had to fix that. That's one of the things that, that was on my priority list, right? So we went out to Poperinga. This is in West Flanders. And this is the Belgian hop growing capital. Okay. How it, far away is that from Brussels? Uh, it took about two hours to get there on the train from the central station in Sounds Brussels. Sounds like a slow train. It's fast part of the way. <laughs> right. Uh, then you have to change in Ghent. Uh, and then it slows down a bit as you get into West Flanders. So it uh, stops at some towns. But we got a, kind of an early start. And, um, you know, we were there before midday. And um, it cost uh, 11 euros each to rent our bicycles for the whole day. Wow. We, we got them from the Palace Hotel, which was about a five-minute walk from the train station when you arrive. And then we got on our bikes because our, our, our goal was to get to the San Bernardus Brewery. Ooh, okay. Which is out in the countryside uh, between Poparinga and Watu. And we're getting now near the French border. And the San Bernardus is one of the more famous sort of abbey breweries, although it's not actually an abbey at all. They used to brew beer for the St. Sixtus Abbey, which is the, uh, the, the home of the famous rare West Vladeren beer. So at some point um, in the early 90s, West Vladeren, the Abbey decided they wanted their beer back. They were going to do it on their own from now on. So this brewery was sort of left with this amazing capacity and they could make 
very good beer. Right. So let's just change the name and not call it a Trappist anymore. And it's it was the San Bernardus brewery. So, like the I know San Bernardus best as their for their Christmas beers. Oh, interesting. Um, which yeah. I think are fairly easy to get in the U.S. when it comes that time of year at a specialty shop but i usually hear like that's the sort of beer i kind of i see it when it comes on the shelf around you know end of november whenever that is it's like oh time to drink a lot of these and then i have about two and realize how high alcohol it is and fall over <laughs> yeah i think the san bernardus brewery um it's one of those the, the same <laughs> the christmas beer is excellent yes, um, it's it's spicy but that's what you want like in december right that's based on the san bernardus 12 which I, I consider a world classic beer. There, some would put it up there with the West Flatron 12 or the Roche 410, and then these sort of these uh, super classy, uh, big, dark, strong ales. Right. So, what were you drinking when you were there? Well, I had to have a 12. Right, uh, right. Never mind the bicycle. I can. I'm a professional. Uh, no, but first I started with the Extra Four, which is uh, their lightest blonde ale, uh, and it's you know a good one if you're thirsty. Um, it's um, a little bit bitter. It's less spicy than this time than I remember. I remember it being too spicy when it first came out. This was very easy to drink. So I had, you know, a couple of glasses of beer there. That's all. But um, what is the price of a glass of beer there? Oh, it was a few euros for a, a glass. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. depends what size you could get different sizes. and. But they're not uh, charging any premium. No, it's it's not really expensive. Um, yeah. But the, the cool thing about where we drink it is it's the brand new tasting room there. Oh. And so we're, we're riding our bikes through the hop fields, you know, through the trellises. There's no hops right now, but there's lots of trellises. Even past a, a World War One cemetery on the way. And uh, and then we end up, you can see the brewery kind of coming on the horizon through the fog because it was it was supposed to be a sunny day and it was very foggy, which was very Belgian of it. The uh, the brewery kind of see coming through the mist, you know, and um, <laughs> and then we could see that the tasting room is up on the top. It's a, basically a rooftop bar. Uh, and this time of year, as we speak of this in the cold months, hopefully you're hearing it perhaps in a warmer at a warmer time. It's uh, not so nice to be outside, but there's a lot of places outside where you could sit and admire the the hop fields all around, and yeah. uh, perhaps Some. smell the manure on the breeze from nearby pastures. <laughs> and it's Some. very rustic. It's uh, you know, idyllic. But inside, it's um, you know, it's brand new, so it needs a bit of needs to be worn in a bit. The bar, but it's uh, it's got little rustic touches, and and um, it's pretty modern and bright. Uh, and and the food, I was really surprised by the food. I didn't expect much food because at the tasting room we ordered this plank of snacks. It was like meats and cheeses, and it was a wide variety of charcuterie on this plate: smoked salmon and smoked ham, and different types of uh, of wurst. Speaking my language. And then all the bunch of different cheeses too. And so um, and then of course that's all going very well with the beer. We ordered fries as well, which were com- was completely unnecessary in retrospect, but... Um, <laughs> when in Belgium. Yeah, and they came with four different sauces to play with and stuff, and it was just, yeah, it was a good time up there. Yeah. Right on. I highly recommend getting out there, and, and it's open most days. So do you uh, cycle on, or did you cycle back after that? Yeah, no, 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 we went on. We went on. Um, we rode on to Watu, and uh, that's the home of Leroy Brewery. It's a, just a neat little town, and it's it's a, kind of a classic little West Flemish uh, border town near you know near French Flanders, and there's a famous place to eat there called the Hommelhof. Mm-hmm. Uh, sadly, it was closed. We weren't there at the right time, but um, plus we had just stuffed ourselves with meat and cheese anyway. <laughs> but this is where we found the Boltra Cafe, and so the cafe is called a. It's actually part of a hotel, the also, um, but it's the the Wet House. There in the back is this cool old bowling game called Boltra. And it's an old folk game. Uh, Instead of balls, they're sort of like thick wooden wheels 
that you roll. It's a bit like a lot of games like this, like curling or something, where there's a circle you're trying to land on, and you're also trying to uh, land some in the way. A bit like shuffleboard, you know. Okay. Um, and and they're big, heavy things that you get to roll, so that's kind of satisfying too. It's very beer compatible, and I got to take pictures of Boltra playing, so I was very happy about that. Right. That's awesome. How was the cycle home? Were you able to stay on the road? Or <laughs> it was kind of hard. I'm not gonna lie. Was, uh, I, I my legs felt really strong on the ride out. Of course, there's people who cycle all the time who know this route probably, and are like, "That's not far." Right. Uh, I'm, I'm not really in shape. So the legs were kind of burning on the way back. It felt like it was uphill all the way, which, which there's not supposed to be hills in Flanders. <laughs> I was misled. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's a hop museum in Poparinga, and we just missed it by a few minutes. So uh, maybe if I pedaled a little harder, we could have made it. But uh, nah. And so we um, had some time to kill before the train, grabbed a couple more beers, the cafes by the station, you know, and then we were out of there. It was a good day out. Yeah, that sounds like a very good app. Plus, I like the idea of sort of burning calories in between stops with biking as you do. I just got back from uh, the north of England. Uh, so I was up in Lancashire, which, I mean, I don't know if we'll ever do a show about a whole county. I've been up there a couple times, actually. I was up there for Christmas and up there again just this month, actually. And um, I love Lancashire because of the pub culture. It's a very old school cask ale little rock-hewn pubs with, you know, fireplaces in the corner and lots of, you know, dark wood and funky carpet and uh, just, you know, old families, like old couples running the bar behind uh, the pumps. And it's exactly that atmospheric English pub, country pub you think of is pretty much the pubs that you get there. Of course, there are, you know, more ones that are a little less well kept up and there are you know some that are run more by bigger brewery names or brands but in general you find a lot of little nice places so where we usually stay is in this place called Shorley Shorley South which is sort of if you go to Manchester then north to Bolton and then north to like Horwich and Chorley it's like an old old school industrial area so it's all these old huge factories that used to you know spin cotton into you know thread and build locomotives and things like that which is all gone now and so there's you know these beautiful rolling green hills and these big red factory boxes with the pipes still standing up that are abandoned and so it's got that very uh, idyllic but kind of time bygone look to it and the pubs are still there though and you when you go into the pubs you kind of feel like you could be going into a place and 100 years ago would have been wouldn't have been that different except for maybe the selection of beer is a bit broader now um so there's this one place in shorely south which uh, i found accidentally because i would the uh, leeds liverpool canal was right behind our hotel and so i'd go jogging along that every morning to uh you know work off the beer and uh, i ended up going in sort of like into chorley proper because we're down in chorley south and i found this little pub side street in what was basically a neighborhood going into the town called the prince of wales 50 percent of all pubs are named the prince of wales yeah. and it kind of caught my eye it's not scientific that's just a there were uh, stacks of like old books in the window but they were real books not just like a placard someone put up to make it look like there were books in there and so i was like oh i noted that and i went back later after dinner after the kids were asleep and um you walk in and there's this bar in the middle that you have to walk around and there's a room out the back with all the bric-a-brac and old stuff from the last century and a half that it's collected and i want to say there were six cascales on the pump 
And that's all I really focused on because I'm in England. That's what I'm going to drink. And uh, I just sat down and, you know, it's an old barman probably in his 60s, you know, affable in his way. You know, the people around there are all locals from that neighborhood. And I just asked him, you know, what's your favorite to drink? He suggested a Sunbeam from Banks's off the cask. He poured me one in a beautiful glass. And I think it was about two pound 80 which is 350 now. I'm so thirsty right now. Yeah, and it's a proper full pint. I mean, and it's on my Instagram if you want to see what it looks like. Is, it, is that a golden ale? Like one of those yeah. sort of new, uh, they're not new anymore, but what has happened to some bitters right. uh, where they get uh, lighter in color and a bit zestier, juicier with hops, uh, yeah. but still really easy to drink. I mean, it was bright, yeah. And zesty and juicy is perfect. And, you know, you have, of course, you have to let it settle. And, you know, there's the, the little bit of ceremony there waiting at the anticipation building. Because uh, I had had Banks's before several times, uh, just uh, their average bitter that you'd get around. Oh, that's this, great. It's good bitter. Yeah, it's classic. So it was nice having this burst of sunshine in in a nice uh, bitter. And then... Yeah, in like January, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I ended up uh, staying there a little bit too long and went back a couple times. But that's uh, sort of the nice thing. What are the snacks? They got pork scratchings? Exactly. Yeah. Pork scratchings, <laughs> peanuts, I think little uh, those little bags of potato chips, you know, salt and vinegar, cheese and onion. Like Walker's Crisp. Walker's or? Crisp, okay. that's the one. And you know, it's nice because the inside of the bar is like, it's uh, all the, the actual bar in the bar in the room is all decorated with the old, um, the uh, little signs they put on the, uh, the pumps. And so, like, all the old, older beers that have come and gone are all still there. And, it's, it, like I said, it's pure atmosphere. What I love about this area is Lancashire is walking culture is so important. Trail walking, not so much hiking because there are, there are mountains there. There are moors, which are kind of hills that you walk over to get to a village. But, you know, you don't really need more than a pair of Nikes to walk over them. Unless yeah. it's muddy out, then you might need a, a bigger pair of boots. But, you know, you go to these little pubs like that to just sort of show up at the end of a walk. And... Um, they're always cozy. Sometimes there's food, which is nice. Um, we went to this town called Beaumont, and there was a little pub right when you come into town. And this is a village, not a town. I mean, it's literally a village, church, one road, houses on either side, back into the moors. And I think it was the Black Lab, if I remember correctly. And it was a full-on restaurant with, like, an ice cream bar. But again, you walk in, there's the old-school bar, maybe three or four hand pumps, and then the, the usual tap stuff. And you just sort of sit there, you can get the kids an ice cream, you can, you know, have a few ales, and, you know, if, especially if you're not driving, and uh, just and then go out for a walk in the Lancashire Moors and kind of walk off your beer. Another place I found that I really enjoyed going to was right in the center of Chorley at uh, the Chorley Markets, which is an outdoor and indoor food market. And I was there on the weekend, but I do think it's open most days of the week when you walk up to it because it's in the pedestrian part of town like you know there's you know two three pedestrianized streets you walk up to it and right on the corner there's a pie shop selling hot pies meat pies on the corner for about a pound pound 50 each and so you go there you ask for you know one or two steak pies or whatever you're into potato pies whatever get that in your little white paper bag that starts to get greasy immediately on the bottom and then you walk into, um, there's a little pub on the inside of uh, the Chorley Markets. And I'll, again, I'll link to uh, everything in the show notes. And just, uh, I want to say, four cast pumps, two taps, Pilsner, Kell, and Kozel Cherney. And that's the size of the bar, just to fit those taps. There's a little kind of lower bar on the side, all decorated like it's been a pub for 100 years. You know, a couple old men in their, you know, rain jackets and boots and they're having a pint at 11 in the morning. And, uh, you know, everything is about having a chat, having a beer, 
getting the day going sort of thing. And it's one of those like little places, literally a hole in the wall that you find in a little market that, you know, outside the markets, you know, it's all the clothes from China and the, you know, plastic ironing boards and stuff like that, that you would find in a, an old town market. Uh, there's food as well, like I said, on the outside. But so you sit down, you order your pint and you get out your pie and they're totally fine with you bringing the pie and eating it there. You have your pint and your pie and it's just magic. It's perfect lunch. Why, why do people even go to London, really? I know. And, and again, the price. I mean, I yeah. did not pay more than three pounds for a pint of it's beautiful. fantastic beer. It's beautiful. I'm ready to go right now. Yeah. And that's the sort of thing where, uh, you know, you go to Manchester. And yes, Manchester has this amazing uh, scene. I mean, it's a big, huge city. Of course it does. Liverpool, same thing. Uh, and you, you fly into either of those airports. And this is a half hour north you know, of either of those places. And from there, it just goes into beautiful countryside where, you know, you find little villages like Beaumont, uh, where there will be a nice pub. It'll probably have a fireplace and it damn sure will have good beer. I'm sure we'll end up doing a London show. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, that every time I've gotten an excuse or a chance to get out of London when I go, right. I've always been like, oh, yeah, this is kind of the real thing. Uh, it's kind of like you can say for a lot of capital cities, right? Like right. people go to New York and say they've been to America and you'd be like, well, uh, <laughs> not really. Yeah. Did um, you at least go up the Hudson yeah, Valley? Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, and it's, of course, it's the same with, uh, yeah. you know, Berlin and Germany and with London and, and uh, yeah. the UK as well. But actually, w one of our favorite little corners is Planet Thanet down in the southeast uh, on the coast. Right. With the, It's like peppered with these micro pubs. Uh, that are sometimes run part-time, sometimes run by people who've retired and taken over like the, what used to be the pet store on, on High Street, right. you know, and, and put in their little pub that they've always wanted to run all their lives. Right. And um, everything is local, everything is cask, and it's just and it's cheap and it's wonderful. So that's actually starting to seep into Lancashire life. Uh, I was in Adlington and on uh, one of the main streets there, somebody just opened a, a micro pub and called it a micro pub. And a lot of people in town were like, what's this now? Because <laughs> it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's a very regional thing uh, to the, I guess, southeast, right? So it's kind of fascinating that I popped in uh, and it was it was a little big for a micro pub, but the, this the is, atmosphere was there. This is kind of what I daydream about. I, I think probably a lot of people who write about beer, what would their brewery be like or... Uh, what would their perfect pub be like? Right. And I have like a micro pub in my mind fully formed and um, I can't imagine ever actually doing it because um, uh, that sounds probably even riskier than writing about beer, but from, yeah. from a financial yeah. standpoint. Yeah, I think about this all the time as well. I either go with like a place like the Prince of Wales in Lancashire where it's like this really proper country pub where it's like that's where everybody in town goes because that's the only place to go or it's like this sort of like postmodern industrial brew house and, you know, like, Southern California or Seattle. It's like, those are my two extremes. Like, I'd be happy in either of those. Anything in between, no. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Where should we go? Let's go somewhere warmer. Okay. Well, I was in Costa Rica in December, which you gave me a lot of guidance for as you lived there. Yeah, I, I lived there for four years. And yeah. uh, it was when we uh, moved there, we can tell this chronologically. When we were planning to move there, there was one brew pub and right. it closed right before we actually got there. So there were literally zero microbreweries of any kind working in Costa Rica when we arrived. Okay. Right. This was eight years ago. Um, and it's gone from zero to 100 or, you yeah. know, not literally a number of breweries, but miles per hour or kilometers, if you prefer. It's like, like everywhere else has gone kind of crazy for craft beer. Cerveza artesanal. I can actually pronounce Spanish. I'll be okay on that. <laughs> so they just started to appear, and, and a lot of them were home brewers, you know, who uh, who their friends told them, oh, this is good. You should sell it. That's a, not advice you should listen to normally, your friends telling you you should open a brewery. 
they might be biased. And nobody knew the laws yet, how to become legal as a brewery. And, and the ones that were legal were still figuring out for themselves and paying lawyers a lot of money to make sure everything was done right and everything because the bureaucracy there is thick, thick, thick. So they were still figuring that out. And so in the meantime, they were like clandestinos. And they basically were garage breweries selling their stuff. And it wasn't very good. <laughs> it wasn't very good. Occasionally, you get, some, I mean, you get something pretty good or interesting. Um, but the people were so nice and the scene was so kind of like cool and chill and was fun. Um, and um, one of the more successful breweries that I know is still going is Costa Rica's Craft Brewing Company. And those beers were always solid. I still remember the, the Segua beer rather fondly, kind of uh, a bitter, somewhat aromatic, juicy uh, red, red ale, whatever. 5% alcohol. It's um, bitter enough, hoppy enough, but easy enough to drink on a hot day on the beach. It was a nice one. Um, another one that uh, started at, from nothing and, and was gradually getting bigger, and as I know is still going also, is 35 uh, or 35 brewery. And, and um that's another one too, where the beers started a bit hairy, but but over time, I mean, they were you know they were real committed, and over time, the beers gradually got better and better, and and, and they were one of the people doing them, like uh, uh, every all the hops in at the last minute, kind of hopping before most people in the states had heard of it. So you know, it was uh, interesting to see that happening like live, how these ideas and brewing now are to some extent completely global, and so. Um, there are things that happen when you're locally rooted in your culture, but there are also things when you have the internet all available to you and people travel a lot and you can see, oh, that's happening, that's happening, that's happening, let's try it. So you could see that even from the infancy of the craft beer scene there, they, they had that available to them and it was, that was interesting. Having been there now, this many years later, it's definitely taken hold. I mean, just going around um, Barrio Escalante, I mean, there are beer bars kind of all over. I mean, it's a hip neighborhood. And um, I was there with a, a chef friend of mine, uh, Jose Pablo Gonzalez, who runs El Malcat, which is this great local cuisine restaurant. We, we should clarify, this is in San Jose, in the it's, capital. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. San Jose. Because yeah. a, a lot of tourists don't even go into San Jose. Right. You know, there are definitely some dodgy parts, uh, San Jose, and sure. with pickpockets and things. But Barrio Escalante is a, 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 kind of a hip area. Yeah. It, when I was there, it was definitely up, up and coming. Yeah, um, now it is. It has arrived. It okay. has arrived. It's where all the, the high-end restaurants are. It's where all the the brew pubs are. There's a few cocktail bars that are doing amazing stuff. And a very walkable sort of neighborhood. But uh, yeah, so at Al Marquette, I mean, they have some nice local beers on tap. But uh, uh, Gonzalez opened up a place called Mercado, which is not Mercado Central, which is in the center of San Jose. It's, a little mar it's like a food and drink sort of outdoor market food hall if you will and uh there's a beautiful coffee shop in there of course there's tacos there's um just a ceviche bar in the back had a smoked uh salmon ceviche which was phenomenal and there's a, a beer bar in the middle and there's the usual you know lagers that you get from everywhere else but also a few of the nicer beers from the local area i'm sorry i can't remember a single name right now because <laughs> it was after a very long trip but it's the sort of place where you can sit outside, you can eat great food, you can drink some good beer. And then from there, because you're still in Bayo Escalante, you can just wander the streets and, oh, there's a brew pub or, or there's a beer bar. And um, it, it's a small enough area where you can bump into places. I'll uh, put a list in the uh, show notes of a couple that I went to that, I mean, I found it to be beautiful beer generally. Um, I also sort of, I do kind of like going into the, the center of the city at night to like one of the big crazy beer hall clubs where you get the, the big bottles and a couple of little glasses. Oh, it's and, great. And, you know, it, it's a 
dollar for this huge bottle of beer and you have some friends with you and everybody gets a glass oh, and you're just pouring it out and the music is blasting. Ice cold beer. Ice cold. Yeah. Some of the yeah. bars pride themselves on how cold they can bring that beer sometimes. Yeah. And if it, you're lucky. <laughs> it, that kind of beer really ought to be. You were talking about like Imperial and Pilsen. Imperial and Pilsen. It yeah, should yeah. be cold. It needs to be ice cold. Yeah. But man, is it fun to drink when you're in a, a crowd of people and the music's bumping and everybody's got their little plastic cups, uh, cafeteria yeah. type cups, which were kind of like a throwback as well. It was. It's a really fun place to I mean, I found San Jose to be a lot of fun. I also loved walking around Mercado Central, and there's uh, the herbs there alone, like hanging and drying from the ceiling with all their healing powers on their little cards and uh, all the little ceviche stands. And Yeah, oh, the, the, and, the Central Market, the Mercado Central, is a great yeah. experience. Yeah. Uh, all the little sodas. The soda is the, is the local word for diner, basically. Yeah. Uh, and there's a bunch of little... I mean, if you, when you drive to the beach, you're going to see them on the side of the road. And, and you should pick a random one and stop at it. Um, it'll but be good. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be fine. Not always good. It'll be fine. <laughs> it'll be an experience. Yeah. Um, but the, the ones in the market, they, they're doing the casado, which is the real typical plate of, of beans and rice, uh, yeah. a veggie and a, and a meat. And sometimes you can sometimes get fish. And, and uh, like the, the one that I always ended up at, there was this big jar of like pickled vegetables on the oh, table yeah. and then you spoon some of that out and you realize like it's really spicy there's <laughs> chilies in there and, and um, in the Costa Ricans normally don't go for spicy food or at least that's the reputation in fact I've met lots of ticos who love hot sauce and spicy food but but uh, but I love to get the the casado which is a big plate of stuff you know oh, yeah. and then those spicy veggies and get them in there too it was, uh, it was great oh yeah. good and, and a cold bottle of Pilsen with it you know it's the yeah. whole experience there and there's that really funky old man beer bar there. <laughs> I know. I was trying to remember the name of that place. Yeah. I, I took a photo of it. I'll have to put it up. But it is the funkiest old man beer bar. I like. I walked in and they thought I was too young. They sort of looked at me like, what are you doing in here, little boy? Yeah. And I was like, I just wanted the beer, but uh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I've been in there a handful of times. I never once felt welcome in there. No. And it adds to the experience somehow. It's like, yeah. I shouldn't be here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Go have a beer. And yeah. then I'm going to go. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll drink my beer quickly for fifty cents, <laughs> and I'll I'll carry on. Also, I mean, it's the sort of city where, yeah, if you're in Barrio Escalante, there's you know all the cool stuff to do, and everything's you know, to the standard that you would expect anywhere else. So it's a fun, fun place to go. I mean, I know what you mean. So many people just get on the plane and get on a bus and go straight out for their eco adventure or eco tourism or to the beach, which is fine. Yeah, that's I'm not complaining about yeah. that either. Well, and another thing that's happening that, that we're talking, and craft beer in Costa Rica has been a part of this, is that, that San Jose is actually now a thing you can do. Right. I mean, it, it used to be for the tourists, the advice was you can go in the daytime, you go see a, a few sites on the Mercado Central, but of course, most are just going straight to the beach anyway. Right. But there's areas, kind of suburban areas to the, uh, to the west, uh, Escazú, Santana. These places have some really great places to eat, also because that's where a lot of the money is. Um, but it's and it's it's a bit quieter out there too. And 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 in fact, a little bit farther west of that is Ciudad Colón, and that's where you find Costa Rica's craft brewing company now. They have a tap room. Treinta Cinco is there. Uh, so that's you know if you can do a few days in San Jose, apparently, absolutely, and uh, before you head to the beach or after, uh, and uh, there's plenty of nice hotels. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's it's perfect thing. I'd say two days, maybe on yeah. the way home. 
That way you've, you're not anticipating, you're not antsy to get to the beach. You're relaxed, you know, you, you've done your thing. And now you can just, you know, enjoy the scene in San Jose would be my recommendation. Absolutely. Well, that's yeah. another episode in the bank, I think. I've got about five more plays I want to talk about. <laughs> Do we have time? We got next wild card episode coming okay. in a, right. another six or seven episodes. So everybody, you can find us wherever podcasts stream. Please subscribe. Please like. Please rate. Please download. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Road for the Beer. You can follow us on Instagram at uh, One More Road for the Beer. You can find Joe. Uh, he's got a blog, Thirsty Pilgrim, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find me at Uproxx Life. I write about beer, travel, and food there. You can also find me on Twitter at ZTP underscore Johnston. This episode was edited and sound engineered by Tescard Berlin. And we shall see you next time. I'm so thirsty. <laughs> Good night.